Podcast World, what's up? Chad Belding back at you from the NWTF convention, Nashville, Tennessee, Music City, America. This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast. Thank you all so much for the growth. We're humbled by it. And I'm also very humbled by who I'm sitting with right now. You talk about Music City. You talk about country music and its finest environment. The finest time of country music was probably, I'm going to say in my opinion, in my lifetime was the mid-80s to the late-90s. And the individual I'm sitting with right now came up in that time. And he had hit after hit after hit top 10 hits, top five hits, ballads. He has the voice of an angel. I love listening to this man sing Andy Griggs. Thank you for being here. You're nice, Chad. I'm being for real. There you go, man. I need to to hire you to go out and introduce me on stage. I will. I would love it. (laughs) I mean, how many times last night did I tap you on the shoulder and say, please sing an original? Yeah, you did. Andy, what amazes me about you is, first of all, you're just so humble with the success you've gotten. Does Does it bug you ever that when you get around a guy like me or Drew Keith that loves your music so much to where we're always wanting to hear it and like when we're tapping you and you do you kind of want to be left alone or do you like that attention that your music still resonates with people like my, myself and Drew no, Keith? No, 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 no. It's a compliment. It's a compliment big time. Uh, it's just, you know, when, you, when you're dealing with a crowd like we were doing last night, um, you know, when we're all, everybody's wanting to do the sing-along Hank, sing-along Waylon, that kind of thing. So there's a time for both, you know. I mean, I, I've, you know, just every business knows that there's a time for left and a time for right. And sometimes it's, uh, uh, you know, sometimes there's room for a gospel song. Sometimes there's room for bluegrass. Sometimes it's time to sing uh, Lonesome Honoring and Mean by Waylon. So we kind of, yeah, me and you kind of covered it all last night. I, I, that One of the things that I know about you, and I don't know, how many country music fans know for your admiration for Waylon? You, yeah. Not just a love for Waylon and a and a friendship with Waylon. Um, I'll, I'll get you. You you recorded songs with Waylon Jennings. Yeah, Waylon. I'm proud to say Waylon was a, a very close personal friend of mine. I, man, I got the chance to meet him, and and um, you know it went from from us just knowing each other to me and him hanging out at his house watching boxing matches and. Uh, me cleaning his guns and you know things like that. So yeah, the one of I would have to say my the greatest part of my career so far, and, and I don't know if this will ever be beat, but I remember uh, singing a duet with Waylon in the studio. We, we sang one called "Shine on Me," and there was glass between me and the producer. You know, and the, so kind of picture this: we're sharing a microphone, and there's glass going into uh, the the control room, and I can see our reflection. And there's the reflection of me and Waylon singing, no singing on the same microphone. And I remember thinking, um, it doesn't matter from here on out. Does he have a baseball hat on? Does he? What is, no, is Waylon recording? Just no, his head? Uh, I think he had a blue shirt on, no hat, no, nothing like that. Just the headphones like I've got on and you have on right now. And he's singing and he's staring at me, smiling and singing with me. And and uh, like I said, I remember thinking, this, it doesn't. nothing else matters from here on I just, out. I just literally got goosebumps that... You have you have this life that not only are you a country music star, you you what made him so special? What he's he's my favorite of all time. I grew up with Waylon and Will. Obviously, we love we love all those guys. But Waylon seemed like it was so effortlessly. Am I am I on to something, Griggs, that like when he talked, he might as well have been singing when he was talking because it was the same thing right, kind of right. he had that Moses voice he really did he always carried his story you know that's why they had him doing the Dukes of Hazard. you know and, and the, the voice for that 
Uh, I'd, uh, um, I told him one time, and I, I thought about this for a while on exactly how to approach Waylon because you didn't want to – it's kind of there's – a, there's a fine barbed wire fence between kissing his rear end too much versus being a friend, but you also you got to kiss Don Corleone's ring also. So, I mean, where's that line at? So I worked on this for a while, but one night I told him I was leaving his house, and I said, Waylon, uh, um, thank you for always being there. You've been my friend. And I said, you were, you, were there, uh, you were there when I first got drunk. You were there when a girl broke my heart. You helped me bury my, my brother. You know, you, you helped me do all of this. You've always, your friendship has always been through music, and now it's through a man. It's always been through music, but now today it's it's, it's through a man. You got and to say that to Waylon. James? I got to say it to Waylon, and yeah, that was uh, that was that was. Hey, it, it did stop him, and it, it, that did go over well, and that was my big compliment to Waylon. Yeah. When you when I think about guys that you kick, kind of came up with, and I don't know if it was the exact time, but I think a Chestnut that did Rainy Day Woman, and then he got to do it with Waylon. I think a Tritt who has a huge admiration mm-hmm. for Waylon. Yeah, sure. Um, you're one of those guys that has never ever stopped paying homage to the guys that it seems like you you have this friendship and i'm talking about daryl too and what you've done since daryl's passing rest in peace daryl singletary but you were dear friends with daryl you were friends with waylon jennings you you understand where those guys were at in their careers you understand how how it happened um things change in country music nashville has changed and I have like this chip on my shoulder now that I almost get pissed off that guys like you and Tritt and Chestnut and when Daryl was still here, weren't on the radio anymore. They like took it away from us. It was gone and I don't care about prime country. Y'all are country music still. It's, it's almost like there was like this time span that you better, you get 13 years once you have it. And what you do in those, it's, I hate that. It's like, what happened to Chestnut? What happened to Tritt? What happened to Tracy Lawrence? Where's Andy Griggs at? I was in love with country music and now I'm not in love with country music radio. And I have this chip on my shoulder like somebody better do something to get Griggs back on the radio. And that's why I have that, that admiration for you and what you have with Waylon and Singletary is because you treat me the same way that you treated Waylon Jennings, I'm sure. Right. And that blows me away. And that's what pisses me off that you're not, you're not on the radio right now. And I'm like, I told you last night, I'm like, please get back on the radio, Griggs. But I have this chip on my shoulder of what happened to my heroes. Where did my heroes go that I grew up listening to on the radio, like you and Chestnut and all these guys? I don't mean grow up. I'm talking like I'm the same age as you. But that's when I fell in love with country music. What the hell? Do I deserve to have this chip on my shoulder or am I, am I way off? <laughs> I try not to have a chip on my shoulder. Everything, Chad, is in seasons. Man, there's, there's a season for everything. Don't you think that there was a time when Ernest Tubb said, what about me? Don't you think that there was a time when Roy Rogers said, what about me? Don't you think there's a time that eventually Jim Reeves and Marty Robbins said, what about me? And Merle Haggard and Waylon and Willie was taking that baton. Don't you think that there was a time when Waylon and Willie said, what about me? When Clint Black and Tritt and all of them was taking the baton and Vince. And then Garth changed a lot of things. And so everything is in seasons. All of music is, the British invasion is over with and rock and roll and, and you know, that was a season. Every, everything is in that. So I try not to look at it in a, so much of a negative term as, as everything changes. Now I hope it comes back to good, 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 good music. So 
I don't care how much steel guitar is in a song. I just want to be taken to the moon and back when somebody sings a song. I, you know, that's why I'm, I'm such a fan of, I didn't just grow up on Waylon. I grew up on Pink Floyd too. I grew up on, on you know, Jerry Lee Lewis. I grew up on Bluegrass, Bill Monroe and, and Ralph Stanley. Uh, even Jimmy Swagger and a lot of gospel music and blues. Albert King to me is the it. I listened to him this morning as I was getting ready. I was listening to blues, Albert King and Stevie Ray Vaughan. So to me, it doesn't matter as far, uh, you know, what the music sounds like, just as long as you put your soul into it and take me. If you take me, I'm a fan. I don't care if you're, um, if you're Patti LaBelle. I don't, I don't care if you're, if you're Patti Lovers. I don't care if you're Elvis. I don't, I mean, but you, yeah, do it. Take me somewhere. So that's, I'm just a fan of music, period. And so what you're talking about, seasons change, and that's just a part of it, man. You're, Nashville changes, music changes, country music changes. It's not the same fan base. It's not. That rock and roll invasion, like I said, and rock and roll is, it's over with. So I shouldn't have a chip on my shoulder and be mad that I can't hear my heroes on the radio i like being educated you, you are the ceo of chad so chad if you want to have a chip on your shoulder you have a chip on your shoulder <laughs> i do i do because yeah. i i honestly think that it's it was gone too soon i just that season ended for me too soon just like duck season ended for both you and i too soon this year it was just getting good it was yes. just getting good. Yes. And we, uh, we share a huge passion together for the outdoors. We do, and I still have the duck waders you sent. Man, I, I duck hunt on four or five trips every year, and I hunt out of the duck waders you sent me. So, yeah, yeah. thank you, buddy. You're, you run in Arkansas quite a bit, right? Yeah, yeah. I hunt with Cody in Arkansas. You're from Louisiana. From North Louisiana, yeah. Monroe. Which makes it back to music. North Louisiana, and I don't, not necessarily south, but North Louisiana is a great big old gumbo pot of different styles of music because it is Texas swing, it is Mississippi blues, it is gospel, it is southern rock, it is Cajun French, Cajun style music, you know, it is, of course, country, it, it is hard rock, it is soft, I mean, it's like all of that, all of the above, you know, you, when, when you go from Merle Haggard to Ozzy Osbourne within two minutes, you know, that's, that's how I grew up. Yeah. And then go to, then, then listen to Jimmy Swaggart sing gospel shit. Yeah, so yeah, that's the, to me that was North Louisiana. Now add some duck hunting into it. Did so, you yeah. grow up in a musical family, Andy? Yeah, my dad was assistant pastor and uh, led song service, led praise and worship at my church, and then my brother, of course, was a big writer and player. And that's what got me into music when my brother died. That's that's how I learned. I guess that was my best way to grieve for him was was picking up his guitar. Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that music does that as therapy, and that's I think. It's, pro it's probably the most therapeutic medication there is, man. man. What music does to me. When in the Bible it says that God rejoiced over David's playing. You know, David was a bad son of a gun when it came to a harp. And it said that God rejoiced over his playing. So yeah, even God, even our heavenly father sits and adores music, you know. So, um, I, Chad, I've done a lot of interviews in my life, but I can't say I've sat here and done interviews to somebody hollering a 10 different duck calls in the background. This is good stuff. It's it's one of those things to where I wanted to pre-warn some people, and I probably didn't do a good enough job that, you know, tomorrow will be a zoo in here. Yeah, yeah. But it's kind of fitting, mm -hmm. and it's kind of therapeutic for me, too, to hear it, even though I, I don't like it right up in my ear. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but 
There is something that correlates a duck whistle and a duck call mm-hmm. and a musical instrument. There's a lot of good musicians that pick up a duck call, and I go, I'm fascinated by how fast they pick up duck calling. And then it's it's the same approach to you know playing a lot of the same wooden dri- driven you know instruments like a clarinet or a or a saxophone. So I just think there's a lot of cool chemistry. And I was talking to Kelly Powers, who's one of the best competition goose callers, one of my great friends in the industry. He was here before you and. We were talking about how just hunting is the common denominator. I would not know Andy Griggs if it wasn't for a duck. Mm. I would not know. Because I first met you, was it in Wyoming? Yeah, at a turkey well, festival. Yeah, yeah, at, yeah. A turkey at, the, at the governor's turkey. The governor's yeah, turkey hunt. Sure was. And Joe, uh, no, Hewitt, Hewlett, somewhere like that. Yeah. T- Todd, Todd Hilton was there from the Colorado Rockies. Move a little bit closer. And, uh, and, um, and, they they put on that event and Brett Cannon from Florida introduced right. me to you. That's right. Yeah. Brett's bo- right. A, a co-friend of both a, a friend of both of ours. But I just think that there's this huge common denominator of hunting mm. does to relationships and brings people together in a network that I don't think any other yeah. walk of life really does. I don't think you can get it on a golf course. No, when, I don't. When you meet Andy Griggs, who's done what you've done in music, and I've listened to years on the radio, and the first thing that we talk about is putting our backs up against a tree to gobble a turkey up or to or cluck one up. Boom, we've become instant friends, cell phone numbers are exchanged, and here we are four or five years later, and we're, we're still kicking as friends. I will always say that the, as far as music and friends and hunting, the two biggest events that have ever, and in, in, I know in my life, that has ever been put together to put all of us together is Country Goes Hunting and NWTF, you know? Uh, it, it does. It, it is. It, it, it puts us all together. And most country music artists... Even if they're not natural-born killers, kind of hunting-wise, but even if they only go hunting just every now and then, but they they do they enjoy it. Most of them do. Now there are some that are members of PETA, but, <laughs> but most most country music singers I know have a little bit of me and you in them. Yeah, they do. Yeah, and that's it's it. And then you know, athletes and military that's and all right. the all the people that you have got to run with sure. with your career and hunting. It just it just blows my mind what I have gotten to do. I'm sitting here with Andy Griggs, who I dial you up on the radio 10 years ago 12 years ago 15 mm. years ago and now i'm like it just it just amazes me what hunting does yeah. to me and my soul and how sure. therapeutic it is and then what music on top of that does it just there's just not a better lifestyle i tell everybody all the time i live the life of a multi multi multi-millionaire on a sixty thousand dollar a year salary right. and i really Absolutely. do and i and You're i'm so man. blessed yeah, i'm a rich sure. man i just love it because of the duck yeah and yeah. besides whaling uh-huh. Is there anything that stands out on the on the on the front lobe of your brain that you go, wow, that really happened to me in my career? Is there something that? Yeah, I'm still what, living it. I mean, man, I hunt and I play music. I say wow all the time. Every time I think about that, I say, and that's the biggest wow in my life. That wow is just as big as as, as when I saw that reflection of me and Waylon sharing a microphone. Man, I am. You know, we are creators. We are a chip off the old block. Our father was a cre- is a is a creator. Our heavenly father is. I, I'm. We, I am a chip off the old block, and so are you. We create. Man, I am. But I am fortunate enough to where somehow I've created a life of music and a bow. And me, hunting came long before this guitar. I told you my brother was born with a guitar in his hand. Not me. I didn't. I didn't really jump into it until after Mason died. So I was 18, 19, 20 years old. But man, you know, I was six years old, killing, you know, walking around by myself with a 410. There wasn't a mockingbird. There wasn't a mockingbird that was safe, you know, and squirrel, you know. So yeah, hunting came long before. Uh, 
and here I am. I'm doing both. Uh, you know, I, I, that my life is so fulfilled. My cup runneth over, just like you said. I'm a rich man, and you wouldn't ch- you wouldn't change a thing. No, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't change a thing. I wouldn't change a thing. What's your What's your favorite memory besides Waylon right now in the music part of the business? Man, I've opened up. My favorite memory I've worked with uh, just people that I've worked with from Randy Scruggs and in, in, in production to. You know, going on tour with Willie, you know, and that that kind of a thing. Uh, uh, Hank Jr. Uh, opened up a couple, once or twice for Merle Haggard. Uh, so yeah, when when you're sitting there sharing, you know, when your bus is parked next to George Jones's bus, and you look over there, yeah, you kind of bite your lip to make sure that this isn't a dream. You know, that that you're parked next to your hero's bus, and uh, yeah, those, those there's a lot of those moments. Yeah, sure. Man, this. I just can't imagine, like, I, the possum, and I remember I was in, in uh, uh, Biloxi, and Jamie Johnson was playing down there, uh-huh. and I just happened to be in the area doing a, a, a show like this, and Jamie invited me down, and he was having a friends and family deal backstage that night, and his bus was back there, and I walked up to it, and I don't know if you know Wally and all them over there, Jamie, but George was on there, and... George sat in the row in front of me that night at the Hard Rock down in Biloxi, and I was like, I'm right by the possum. And then Jamie did a five-song tribute to George that night, and I was like, wow, because of a duck, I got to meet a guy that was with Jamie. That's right. Now Jamie's hunting and loves shooting, and and I was like, it's George Jones. And I was like a schoolgirl. I was just shaking. I was like, man, just, and I can't imagine it having a bus parked him and then sharing the same stage as him. And I just, you know, everybody's put on the earth, Andy, to do, to do different things. I ask military all the time, you know, or you ever look down at anybody because they didn't join the military? They're like, heck no, this no. is me. You're giving back with what you do. Absolutely. And, 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 and what you did with the, the, you know, having those memories, I don't get envious of it. I'm happy for it. I'm proud for you. I just want to live in those shoes sometimes of <laughs> being able to mesmerize people and what you say, take them to the moon and back. Sure. And that's what is really cool about that statement is that you get to do that and get a paycheck for doing it right. and then people sit there and want more yeah and and when when was your heyday when would you say that that was the that your career was on was it was it 99 to 03 was it 98 to 04 somewhere in there yeah lonely was my first single and my first album and it was released at the end of 98 uh, became a number one in you know some spring of 99 something like that so i would say between 99 and 2007, 2008, you know, is, is when, you know, man, I was blessed, uh, uh, you know, to have several number one hits, a couple of number two hits, uh, about six more, eight more top ten hits, you know, and, and um, you know, it, it, does it go by in a blur? Absolutely it does. Heck, yeah, it goes by in a blur. But, you know, you, you, you try to take in as much as you can. I kept hunting. Um, you know, I would take off deer and rut, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that kind of a thing. So, uh, you know, again, what I, you asked me if I would change anything, what a ride, baby. No, it's been a roller coaster ride. How many times have you grabbed the microphone and looked down at your hand and had blood underneath your fingernails because you just got out of the stand? <laughs> <laughs> it hasn't been a lot, but it has happened. It has will, you, happened. will you do a little bit of lonely? Yeah, sure. You want to hear lonely, huh? Please. You bet, buddy. I wrote this on a... Uh, I wrote this with Brett Jones, but some of these lyrics came off of a bus. I mean, off of an airplane. I was playing, uh, or I was writing it down on a Southwest napkin, and I threw it away, and I had to go find it. I had to go find that napkin. I went back on the uh, 
went back on the airplane after I got off, and I said, ma'am, I was talking to the stewardess. She goes, yeah, and I said, can I go through your trash? She goes, what are we looking for? She thought I threw away a phone or a wallet or something. <laughs> I said, I'm looking for a, a Southwest napkin that has some uh, lyrics on it. And this was my first song, my first single, and my first number one hit. Life may not always go your way And every once in a while might have a bad day But I promise you now You won't ever be lonely The sky turns dark Everything might go wrong You run to me I'll leave the light on Yeah, I promise you now You won't ever be lonely For as long as I live There'll always be One place you belong Here beside me I got a heart and I got a soul Baby, you own me Yeah, you own me I promise you now You won't ever be lonely Uh-oh well, There went down a camera Somebody's good old camera Just went kaput right there so that becomes your number one yeah yeah I mean right out of the gate we released that I never thought that RCA would want to release that as a single not only that they wanted to release it as the first single not only that but it was a uh, uh, you know it was the title track to my first album so it you know yeah it started out call it luck call it just good fortune whatever it was just but I was blessed it you know it became a number one hit and and there goes the racehorse. Yeah, and it shoots out of the gate. Yeah, sure enough. And what, then, what, what, how does that happen? Does the publishing company get a call and then they call you? Or how, uh, are you a, you, you're a writer on this song, which is huge. This is where, is this where the, the revenue stream of Andy Griggs starts to pay off now? Yeah, is, sure. That's when you start to get paid, right? When you get a number one hit or a top five hit? That's right. I still get paid for, for that site. I, I still get mailbox money. Because you're yeah. a writer and, so do you get paid as a writer and, a, and the? Just a writer. So not, not a singer, no. The, the, so when when George Strait makes a Dean Dillon song a number one hit, does George make any money on it besides the touring and the merch and all that? Yeah, it does. It does great for George Strait's career, but no, he does not get mailbox money from it. No. You get mailbox money this many years later on that first number one hit. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, I do. Man, that's why the publishing like on. Do you remember when Michael Jackson bought a. The John, Beatles? Yeah, the Beatles. Yeah, that was huge because, I mean, that is, you know, yeah, that, that'll go on forever and ever and ever. Yeah. I think Lisa Marie has some of the, but Elvis, you know, they were big writers. Elvis really wasn't that much of a writer, you know, but yeah, as far as, um, you know, those those big writers, I can't imagine your Bob Dylan's and your Willie Nelson, you know, was a huge, is still a huge, huge writer, you know. Yeah, and so you say that the, the horse let comes out of the gate and it's running now and Mentally, do you feel a pressure to get there again right away? Like I got, is it is it like adrenaline and like this this drug that you got to get a number one right away? Do you start to pressure yourself to write more? Does your creativity become um, 
potentially altered or manipulated yeah. because you're trying so hard to get there again? Or do you just pump the brakes and, and stay to your values and in, 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 in your writing techniques? That's the, that's the damning of the monster. That's that, you, you just mentioned a monster that, that uh, comes into your life. I don't know anybody artist-wise who hasn't. It beca- it's a wheel, right? And you're always chasing the wheel, but you never catch it. Two hits is not enough. Fifty hits is not enough. There's always a will. And that is one thing that I do resent. And I don't think that's just music. I think that's a lot in in any kind of success, that it's not quite enough. You don't sit back and breathe. This life is short. How many funerals are me and you going to now? This life is so short. And, you know, that's one thing I enjoy about about the outdoors, you know, about hunting and, you know, fishing. But... There, there's a will you're, you're constantly chasing that you never catch and I resent that will I resent it because it, it, it takes away from your enjoyment it takes away from you stopping and saying thank you Jesus and I, I'm living the dream and I'm happy today I'm not chasing tomorrow today I'm happy and that you have to watch you have to keep that monster in check because that monster can that monster can ruin your life it causes divorces and it causes a man to lose his soul. In the Bible it says, you know, what does Jesus actually said this? What does a man gain? What does, he, what does he gain if he loses his soul? Well, that monster is robbing your soul. It's robbing your wife. It's robbing your children. It's robbing your banking account. It's robbing everything. It's a drug. You're constantly chasing that will. So, yeah, yeah, you do have to keep that. Did this check. happen to you personally? Well, sure, absolutely. It happens to all of us. And back in the day, you have you continue to keep spitting out hits. It's not good enough. We're, we're working now on the next hit. And before we can, me and you can go have a steak dinner over our last number one, we're, we're, we're too worried about how the money we're going to spend on, on, on the next single and on and on and on and the touring. And the, there is no stopping. It is a freight train out of control, you know, it is. And it becomes a monster to where the, the, the blur affects, it does affect your home life. It affects everything. Man, I mean, it affects you to where your dog's even miserable. Your dog, your dog don't even see you. Nobody sees you. And then, you're, you know, you're just, it, it, it does rob you. So, yeah, you, like I say, you have to, but I don't think that's just music. That's probably most any kind of business. Anybody who reaches success... It's never enough, you know. So, and then then you read about guys like Sam Walton, you know, for the Walmart, you know, those guys like that, those good old boys that did happen, and and they maintained the the good end of it, you know. So it's I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying it. You have to keep that in check. And what did you do to get it back in check? Once it starts going out of control. Are you in charge of pumping the brakes and, and slowing it down, or how does how, no. do, how do you just let it keep going and going? Well, it's not about letting; it's about. Uh, I mean, you've got everybody pushing you. You've got publishing companies, your record label, your tour, your booking agency. Between your record label and your booking agency and your publicist and this and that, no, they're the ones pushing you. They're the coal in your train, and you're sitting there with your hands up in the air, going, "What in the world's going on?" And they're the ones that are firing up that coal engine, you know, on that big black train. So. Um, how does it slow down? Your career starts slowing down. It starts slowing down, and all of a sudden you realize, man, I'm, I'm happier than I've, I've been in a long time. I'm actually enjoying this. And it doesn't, it, it, 
it took you slowing down and your career slowing down for you to finally enjoy the career or you were having a blast with your hands up in the air on the roller coaster ride but there's some regrets in that roller coaster ride. No, I was having a blast don't get me wrong no, I wasn't you know man like, would I change like I said I keep going back to what you asked me if it would I change anything no absolutely I wouldn't that's just all part of it but you know you take the good and the bad so no I had a I had a blast. I'm having a blast now. I can't say I had more fun than I'm having right now. Well, it could have went the other way, Griggs, where I've heard stories of this town just chewing somebody up and spitting them out like they weren't even here. That's right. Yeah, this town, if you think you're good, move to Nashville. They'll change your mind. You know, man, this this town, I know it's made of dreams, but more so this town breaks dreams. Breaks dreams in half, and it, 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 it sends you home. And you see that a lot. And I, uh, you know, I never, never, uh, um, I never say a, a, a negative word or, or put a bad image in anybody's mind that's coming here with a, with a, with a, a dream in their eye. You know, I just look at them and smile. But in the back of my mind, I do think uh, <laughs> the odds on you moving back home brokenhearted are big. Yeah, that's a big odd. That's a big percentage. And that didn't happen to you? No, no, it happened quick. You know, I started with uh, bluegrass. You know, I was playing like a... Um, you know, I started with the Sullivans playing all over the South and bluegrass... We got a Bush Harbor meeting at our brand new church, our brand new church, our brand new church. We got them rocking and reeling with that old time feeling down at our brand new church. So I was playing bluegrass like that and uh, played it in uh, Nashville one too many times. They let me sing a song and people started approaching me. And I, it seems like the wheels turned slow then, but no, the wheels turned very Where are you at? Fast. Is this in a honky-tonk on Broadway, or where does this happen? No, at? I never played any honky-tonks. I never played any bars. I played churches and bluegrass festivals. Are you serious? Yeah, so believe it or not, the first bar I ever played was in Raleigh, North Carolina. Raleigh, North Carolina, first bar, and my single was already approaching number one. And that was the first bar I ever played. Nervous, nervous, nervous. I'd never played on the bar stage. Really? Yeah, sure, sure enough. Isn't that weird? Like, that's all Garth pretty much played on coming up out of Oklahoma. And, right, right, right. And, and you hear of these acts, like, they're, that's what they did. Yeah, sure. They and you're in up, churches yeah. and bluegrass festivals. Bluegrass festivals and churches, yeah, yeah. So what year do you move to Nashville from uh, Louisiana? 95. I got married in, in uh, February of 95. We went on our honeymoon in Gulf Shores. Alabama, and then and then I went straight up straight up here to Guitar Town. So I was settled in by end of February in '95. '95, and you get your first hit going to radio in '98, and it comes number one in '99. So yeah, that's that very doesn't fast. happen. Very that's often. very fast. So so four years four years later, I had a number one hit. Yeah. Kind of sounds like what's happening with Luke Combs. It, it seems to me like it happened. I don't know how long he's been in Nashville, but right. it, it, that is amazing. That three and a half years from your honeymoon. To a number one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, uh, it was, so of course that with four years goes by crawling when you're in those four years and you know, you get impatient. And, but yeah, then you look back and go, that's that's the funny thing about the music business is it goes so slow and then all of a sudden it becomes out of control fast and you're rolling down a hill like a snowball headed for hell. You know, oh, you man. really are. Is that what that lyric means? Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, we were, me and you were picking that last night. I got a question for you. All right. Merle Haggard, uh, for the first line of That's the Way Love Goes. What is that line? Because I don't, is it, I've been throwing horseshoes over my left shoulder. Now that line, is he, 
with a girl who's a whore and he's taking her shoes off and throwing them over her shoulder? Because why would you throw a horseshoe in a horseshoe game over your left shoulder? I cannot figure out what Merle is saying in that line. I've been throwing horseshoes over my... Like he's been with so many women, he just takes her shoes and just, there's another one. I don't... you get it? Yeah, I've never thought of it that way, but that's an interesting aspect. Of, I've been throwing horseshoes. Over my left shoulder well, I've spent most all my life Searching for that four-leaf clover I think it's probably because horseshoes uh, means luck. That's all I've always took it, you know. And he ain't never, he ain't never getting them, and you know, because then he goes to the four-leaf clover. So you That's know, luck. Oh, now it's The gone. horseshoe is a lucky thing, like... The I've luck been, sign, right? I, that's it. Isn't it? I've been throwing horseshoes over my left shoulder. I spent most all my life searching for that four-leaf clover. Yet you ran with me, chasing my rainbow. Honey, I love you too, and that's the way love goes. It's got to be luck. It's got to be about yeah. luck. Yeah, I think it is. See, I just got it. And she's been about... following him as he's been trying to. Is that not follow his dream? That's my favorite Merle song, man. That's a darn good one. Isn't oh, it? I love when he sings it. It's hard to call one one oh, hag God, that's my favorite, man. but how do you even pick one? Man? Yeah, yeah. My dad's my dad was Poncho and Lefty. Oh, sure, sure, absolutely. And uh, Steve uh, Steve Van Zant wrote that song. Yeah, I love Poncho and Lefty. Oh. Lefty, he can't sing the blues all night long like he used to. The dust that Poncho bit down well, south. If you want to pick it, hang on, son. Ended up. By the way, we got Tim Knight here. Do you know Tim? I don't. We got Drew Keith. He wants to come sing with you. <laughs> <laughs> Tim is actually my he's my favorite taxidermist. Good friend. He told me to show up, so he has somebody in the back. We love you, Andy. He's out of Dublin, and this is a big weekend. This is a special NWTF because he's worked really hard on a on a turkey mount. And it's this big, uh, a big pedestal turkey mount that he's in, in the honor of uh, Daryl Singletary, and that's tomorrow, at, in, tomorrow at four. Now it's not a surprise for anybody, is it? Because I just said this over. This won't release before tomorrow. Wait, say okay. it again, Griggs. There's so, a there's so, a, there's a tribute to Daryl. Yeah, tomorrow? so there's a tribute that Tim's putting on at four o'clock tomorrow, and he's going to um, Holly, Holly, um, Holly, and the kids will be there, and. All of us as friends, we're all going to be there, and he's giving it to NWTF. Here? Uh-huh. Here. And, and the NWTF. Is, is the tribute here at the convention yeah. tomorrow? Yeah, uh-huh. Are you playing? Uh, no, there's, I don't think there's going to be music. I think maybe unless they play a Daryl song. I'm coming. Yeah, four yeah. o'clock. Yeah, four o'clock. It's gonna I be come? very special. Can I come watch no, it? No, Chad, you can't come. <laughs> no, absolutely. Okay, not. now that you brought it up, now that you just brought <laughs> this up, I mean, will you do one of his? Daryl? Oh wow. Is that too sad? I mean, I don't know if I'm hit, hitting the wrong button there, Andy. Tell me if um, I am. I know he's a dear friend of yours. Yeah, I haven't done a whole lot of Daryl just because of that reason. Um, I let her lie. Man, I'd rather not. 
I'd rather not. totally understand. I, I figured that that might be said, but here's what I want to tell you, Andy, is what mm-hmm. you've done for that family is unbelievable. And I hated it that it happened. And when I talked to you, and I, I believe I was having an event here in Nashville, and you were going to the memorial, and it was it was so shocking to me when I got the phone call because I had just sat on a couch for two hours and talked to the man, and I, I just I just hate it for you. But and but what you've done for Holly and the kids, and what you continue. To, I talked to Barrett Hobbs last night. He said Andy Griggs, and there's another tribute in February at the end of this month that I told Barrett I would like to fly back into Nashville to attend. And I said anything I can do for gifts or donations to to help out to raise money. And I think I, the numbers he told me last night were amazing. What happened? Yeah, and actually I was going to talk to Drew about this, about um, you know donating, uh, you know somehow, and I, of course I would be a part of it, but donating like a. a you know, two guy duck hunt or something like that because they're donating hunts and this and that. So, um, uh, yeah, it's, that's going to be uh, at a show at the end of, yeah, at the very end of this month. They're doing a silent auction, this and that. Man, I, I have, uh, the, you know, me and you talk about the Bible a little bit here and there. The Bible talks, talks more about supporting widows and orphans more than it does anything else. It talks about that it, supporting widows and orphans more than more than church, more than charities, more than hospitals, more than widows and orphans. Go after them. That is the biggest. That is the biggest message as far as giving is concerned. That <clears throat> widows and orphans are talked about more than anything else. So yeah, I, and I've been one. I remember driving up the driveway after Daddy died, and and there'd be a brand new fresh cut rick of firewood with no note or nothing it was just one of my daddy's friends or, or, or us drive up and and uh, our yard was cut and weed eaten and i remember my mama just sitting there holding her heart didn't even know who it was you know the, 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 that kind of that's stuff. that's a real gift yeah sure it is nobody and needs to claim that's, it. that's 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 the job of a man you know that is a job that, that is your job that's drew's job that's my job um, as a man, you know, to take care of widows and orphans, and that's 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 a message from the Word of God. But I just I remember my mama sitting there with tear-stained eyes, pulling up to a new fresh rick of wood, uh, you know, in, in the month of October. And then when it started getting low, we would pull up from school, and and somebody done re- re- refreshed it. And then all of a sudden, there's a rick of wood, uh, you know, up against our brick house, and it was just that kind of that kind of stuff. You know, that's big. That's big. The little things are what's big, yeah. yeah I love it. I love, and that's, and, and that's why I was trying to tell you for what you did. You know, since that happened, it just shows you who oh, you I'm are. Just, you know what? I, I know, but you got a lot of help. I'm just, not. You don't have to. I'm just telling you. Thank you because I didn't get to know him like I wish I would have. Because when I met him, I fell in love with him, and I think that he had that that personality. That that's why you liked him so much. He was just that man. So, um, Daryl Singletary, man, what a freaking career! I love listening to him, but we'll move on I, I apologize if i hit the wrong button no no no, no, no. you didn't hit any button at all i just um I, i've I, I don't man i haven't yet gotten to a point where i really play his music i really don't i understand yeah did it did it were you the same kind of friend with waylon when that happened did you have that were you that bonded with waylon i know you were friends with him did it did it hit you like that where you couldn't play his music when that happened no i play his music man yeah, i can't go without playing waylon now i don't play our duet song I haven't played that. I don't know if I've played that since uh, um, since he died. But no, Waylon was sick, and and you know, an older man, and it was expected. And 
No, Daryl, it, it, it threw us all for, that's one of those things in life, you know, it just th throws you back sideways when, when you hear that news. Um, because you're with him one day and then all of a sudden it just, you know, that's a part of life, it happens. But no, Waylon, Waylon was expected, so no, that wasn't like a big bust that hit me, no, not at all. So the, the horse is out of the chute, you got blinders on now the, the hands are in the air the roller coaster ride is taking place lonely's at the top of the charts you're making money as a country musician three and a half years after you move up here from louisiana and your honeymoon in the gulf shores what comes next what's the next single that goes to radio and where does it land uh i'll go crazy and it went to number one uh no i'll go crazy i think it was two number two yeah i, think so. I love that song yeah thank please, you can you play it please yeah, sure matter of fact that melody was straight <laughs> out of uh of, of, i was thinking about waylon coming up with it. i wrote this melody driving home from his house you know that oh, kind of that, that kind of melody you know and crazy's kind of after that that you know that uh yeah. well it's the same old tune fiddle and guitar all right so crazy's kind of wailing real with a big bass. Well, now you say you want to let me go. Ah, but there's one thing that you got to know. Girl, I'll walk away, you will and leave. And you'll never even hear me leave. I'll go quietly. I'm going silently. I'll go crazy without you Insane with a heart so blue They'll have to lock me away I won't last one day without my baby Hey, I'll go crazy There's that old wailing, you know, so yeah, that melody came out of that. Unbelievable, and man. And I, I, I started that leaving his driveway and I just had I just had that. How can you not have that in your head after leaving Wayland? You know, God dang it, man. So where does this, you leave the driveway, there's yep. not a Southwest Airlines napkin involved in this one. Where does this song get jotted down? This was before an iPhone because I figure that a lot yeah. of ours can just pull it out now and boom. Where does this one get written down at? You got to get home and you're racing to get home now? Yeah, I got with Zach Turner and, and Lonnie Wilson and uh, uh, we sat down and I just, I had that and, and uh, Lonnie Wilson had an idea of um, just as simple, he goes, well, it don't need to be complex, it needs to be as simple as a Waylon song and he came up, he actually came up with the word crazy and because I've always been crazy but kept me from going insane, you know, so we, we started right away with it, it was written within two hours, that it was written and had it recorded in a couple of days. Wow. And that goes number two. Yeah. And this is just happening like. That's live, like, man. It's happening The so career's quick. on. This is fast. Yeah. Usually people. It's like mice running across the dang room. Correct me yeah. if I'm wrong, Griggs, but a lot of people refer to this as a 10-year town at least. Mm. Like it's going to take 10 years to get to where you're getting in three and a half. Right. So your mind's blown. Yeah. You can't believe it. Yeah. Patience on the way there. Right. The grind. But it blows me away that it happens in bluegrass festivals and churches. Right. And now you got a number one and a number two on the radio, and you've never been in a honky-tonk. Never. Well, no. I mean, by then, by the time yeah. Crazy came out, yeah. <laughs> but Lonely, no. I mean, like I said, Lonely was on its way to number one when I first played my, my very first honky-tonk. Yeah. Out of, out of uh, I think, like I said, Raleigh, I think, North Carolina. Yeah. And has, is, this, is this now to where your management is like, 
Dude, we got a we got a superstar here. Oh, dude, that's like again, you got to watch that monster. But yeah, because everybody's just cranking that wheel. Man, they're staying home in Nashville, making money off of you, Hulse. Yeah. You got to realize that all them people that are cranking that wheel, they're staying here while you're out there, you know, busting your rear end, and all of a sudden you ain't killing deer and ducks anymore. And man, I mean, it becomes a problem. And everybody's making money. You're getting, and you ain't getting kissed. <laughs> Getting screwed, but you ain't getting kissed. <laughs> this is more foreplay, please. That's what you're trying to I say. I mean, man, I, went, I, remember, I remember telling my manager, I said, you know, a rut usually in most of America is that first week, last October going into November. I said, man, I've gone two years without hunting in November, deer hunting in November. And he was like, hey, baby, we got to do this thing, baby. I'm like, don't be babying me, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Baby, maybe, baby. So you are 100% writing all these hits. You're co-writing some of them. Yeah, no, that, actually, no. And then, then uh, that's the only two big hits that I've had that I've, that I've written. So everything else, like my next single was a number one, She's More. And no, I didn't. Rob Crosby wrote that. Crosby wrote that. Yeah, but Crosby you, wrote that. You take it to number one, and the only way that this helps you financially is that yeah. they're hearing on the radio, and that fills Working. the seats, that's right. and that fills the merch line. Exactly right. yeah. Can I hear it, please? Well, I like blue eyes. Hers are green. Not like the woman I've seen in my dream. Her hair's not quite as long. As I had planned Five foot three Isn't tall She's not the girl I pictured it on With those paint by numbers Fantasies I've had And so it took me by Complete surprise my heart got lost in those deep green eyes She's not at all what I was looking for She's more What are the, what are, I go to a lot of concerts, you know, in the past 10 years and the, the a lot of young girls are listening to, not young, but 18, 25-year-old girls are listening to country music now. Mm-hmm. What are your audiences like at this time, Griggs, when you're when you're selling out on your tour now and you got these hits? What are the audiences like and what are you seeing? Are you? And then I want you to tell me at the end of this, of what you're about to tell me, I want to understand what kick the footlights out means because I love way I love Merle's mm-hmm. that song too and I want you are you are you kicking the footlights out at this time in your career and explain to me that please <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a term uh, what was I seeing I was just I'd be lying if I said every show's different because it's not it comes to a point where not every show's different I mean the, the crowd at that moment everything's I don't know. I mean, you're playing to a different crowd, but at the end of the day, you're playing your you're playing your heart and soul. So it kind of is all the same, you know. Kicking the footlights is no matter what. That term means no matter what I'm doing, no matter what mood I'm in, I'm kicking the footlights out. I'm doing this. You that's know? what that means. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's how that's that's the term that we've always used. You know, if you think about it, you know, even Hank Jr. recorded that song. I don't oh, know. Yeah. Well, tonight I'll, let's see, that ain't the right key. Let me see here. Mm-hmm. Well, tonight I'll kick the footlights out again. 
And I'll try to hide the mood that I'm really in I might not put on my old instamatic grin But tonight I'll kick the footlights out again He's doing his job He, you know, he ain't feeling it, but he's still doing his job Good, that's what that meant Yeah you sing that well. I, you know, I love Merle, of course, but the Hank Jr. Brent, that's, a, Brent, that's, a, that's a great Brent Cobb, who you know, mm-hmm. he's playing the, our deal tomorrow night, and I, I hope you're there. I hope you're there, like you've been before. He was on the podcast, and he said that the absolute greatest country music musician, writer, and singer of all time is Bo Cephas. And when he said it, I went, and he said, for real. And I couldn't believe he said it. And do you feel the same? I know that you're gonna that, that you you have a different opinion, but is is Hank that badass? Yeah, he really is. His tone. He's 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 the most probably the most underrated singer because he's such a character, right? And his name and his character and this and that. Everybody pays attention to his wild songs, and and. Uh, Nobody, I say nobody. A lot of a lot of the the fan base don't pay that much attention to his tone and his ability. His tone. To me, there's three things you got to have: male or female, pop, rock. I don't care if you're David Gilmore or or, or, or Hank, whoever. No matter who you are. To me, there's three things that takes me to the moon, and that's first ability. And Hall, some of them don't even have ability. You know, but the second thing, it ain't just ability. Now you got to get to second base, and to me, second base is tone. You got to have tone. You can't sound like a turd. I don't care how good you can sing if you ain't got tone. You, you know, and then the, the, of course, the the final is the biggest, and that's soul. That's soul. So you have those three things right there. I'm sold, man. If you're pink, I'm sold, lady. Man, I'm you know, man, I'm into all of that. If you're Prince, I'm sold. He but, had you, but you had all this because you could literally sing the phone book. Well, I tried I to. But, but back to Hank, yeah, um, Hank's got that. Yeah. And people, people want to pay attention to Whiskey Ben and Hellbound, and well, they quit paying attention to what singer he is. If they're talking about the bathroom, because because I'm referring to Brent Cobb again. He goes, Chad, I love the hit, the sentimental Hank, and he said there's a side of Hank exactly what you're saying now in a different way of that. Everybody paid attention to that Monday Night Football and that rowdiness and all my yeah, rowdiness, but they never got to understand sentimental Hank, and that's what made him the best in, no, in Brent's opinion. No, you know, when he's singing, here I am falling again and stuff yeah. like that, that's just, you know, that's just, uh, I hear some of that old stuff and go, oh, Hank, that gum, son. That he was gum. living it, wasn't yeah, he? man, this may be blasphemy to say in this town that me and you were sitting in, and yeah, this is blasphemy, but I'll say it. He sings circles around his old man. He sings circles around Hank Senior, and I'm a Hank Senior fan. You know? Wow! But yeah, he, he's he, yeah. But then again, Hank Senior died at 29, so you, it's hard to compare. If you if you are at an Andy Griggs concert and you chose to do a cover, which I know that you do unreal covers. Yeah, right. And you won't. And you, the promoter says, this is your last show ever. You're done. You got one cover on tonight. You get one cover besides all your hits. Do you have a go-to, yeah. or do you have so many that it's hard for you to choose? Nah, if I had one, uh, Hank Senior, Ramblin' Man. Can I hear it? Yeah, sure. Oh man, <laughs> he shouldn't have said that. Let's see. Hey, Bobby Johnson, keep an eye out for T-Bone Turner, please. Cause, oh, did he? I'm singing this a little bit different than Hank. But 
I can settle down and be doing just fine until I hear I hear one old train rolling down the line. Then I'll hurry astray home and pack. Cause I think if I, if I didn't go, I think I'd blow my stack. Well, I love you, babe, but you've got to understand. I say when the Lord, when the good Lord made me, I think he made a rambling man. Well, I love watching the towns as they all pass me by. While I'm riding along these rails beneath God's blue skies. Let me travel this land from the mountains to the seas. Cause I swear this here, this here is the life that he must have meant for me. When I'm dead and gone and at my gravestone you're gonna stand, I want you to say God called home. You're rambling, man. Oh, man. <laughs> That's usually my go-to right there. God, did you hear that, T-Bone? Did you hear that? Can you? We go back way back to when we uh, used to strip dance in Tulsa. <laughs> you strip dance in Tulsa? Yeah, me and him used to hit the bar together. Go up and down that bar, yeah, that pole. Did you hear? I'm getting, I'm getting that. I'm getting T-bone to see. Andy, when you when you're singing that song, I saw an, an, an intensity in your eyes. Are you intense when you're singing that Hank song? Yeah, I'm trying to make sure I hit the notes right. <laughs> I put some notes in there. You gotta you gotta kind of focus on a little bit. But yeah, that's a that's a lonesome song. Lonesome song. That's a hard song to sing. Yeah, and on stage, what I do is I turn it over into southern rock. So, you know, we turn it into making Georgia a little bit, you know, towards the end, and it goes on like a free bird. God, that sounded good. Um, you know T-Bone Turner. No because T-Bone, you, you talk about I haven't about seen archery. you T-Bone in probably five or six years, huh? Probably one of the last country goes hunting, I'd say. Yeah, maybe, maybe. How you been? Doing good, just making hay while it's sunshine, man, just yeah. living the dream. I hear you. Are you really living the dream, T-Bone? Because I, when I watch you on social media, I don't know if there's a happier guy in the outdoors. I mean, you're giddy. Oh, yeah, yeah, I man, I'm happy. I mean, think about it. I'm not dipping septic tanks for a living. That's pretty, <laughs> what's not to be happy about? 
T-Bone, me and Griggs and I have been talking about this, and I was watching some of your stories today, and I was like, look at look at these guys. Look at what Bone Collector gets to do. No envy, no jealousy. I'm just so proud to know you guys. And I got to, you asked me to take, do, make a picture with you yesterday. In the South, they say, let's make a picture. Where I'm from, they say, can you take a picture with me down here? Like, let's make a picture. Uh, Wrecking yonder. I don't know where yonder is. I don't know how many y'all are. I don't, I always ask other, because I wish I was from here. I tell everybody, man, I wish I was from the South. Paris, Rome, I've been all over the world, and I wish I was from the South. This place is special, and y'all are so lucky to be here. But T-Bone, this common denominator of the woods, the trees, the turkeys, the deer, the ducks, whether you're a hooray ranch in Kansas or you're down in Georgia chasing an eight point, the common denominator of hunting has opened doors to you that you never imagined. And you were literally, one time you're with Waddell on a deer hunt, and the next time you're with a race car driver, and then you're with Andy Griggs and a country music star. What does it mean to you to like know that we get to personally listen to this song that this guy made a number one hit, and we're friends with him? Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally, totally, totally blessed. I mean, uh, you know, me and Waddell, me and Nick and Waddell, we all come from humble beginnings. So, you know, each and every day is, you know, we say it a lot, but we really mean it. It is a blessing for sure. And then to know that this is the way that we're, you know, making a career, me and Waddell always, uh, we we have uh, these talks behind the scenes, so to speak, kind of plan B talks, meaning like, hey, man, ah, it's probably going to be the last year, man. You know, I mean, uh, you know, we, we expected three years at, at best, you know, and we're like, here we are starting our 13th year, and we're like, man, you know, we always got plan B. It's like, what else? Like, yeah, you know what? Dad's still in good shape. We probably build some houses, and I, I know I can still hang some sheetrock, and then, you know, my background's working in an archery shop. I'm like, surely I can find a job fletching arrows somewhere. I mean, surely somebody will let me work on their bows, or, you know, I'll get a job at Bass Pro Shop or something like that. I mean, we always think that way, so we're, and I'm proud that we think that way, you know, stay humble and and blessed because of our early, you know, humble beginnings. But yeah, to be able to be, you know, friends with so many people that it's the hunting industry. Yeah, they're country singers. Yeah, they're race car drivers or whatever. But the common denominator, like you said, is we're all outdoorsmen. We love it. And the way that we listen to a song that Griggs has on the radio is the same way that you look at somebody that can do what he can do with a bow. Even though you're a very proficient archer, you look at somebody like T-Bone Turner and they don't come any better. And he's humble. He won't say it, but he's one of the best there is at putting a bow together and getting it dialed in and sighted in, the peep and everything perfect. And then he can go out and kill a deer, no problem. So you look up to guys in the industry that are making a living doing it, just like we look up to guys like you as famous musicians right absolutely they're carrying my dream (laughs) i told you my dream of hunting was is is a whole lot longer than my dream of started long before my dream of music so yeah when these guys came out i was like god dang it you know and for the first time they set the line and they towed the mark on on uh the first young fun guys you know and it wasn't i'm nothing against anybody else i'm not saying i'm just saying they put they put a young fun atmosphere for the first time into hunting and I was like, gosh dang it, that's what I wanted to do. And I'm stuck with the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that awesome to hear yeah, that? Yeah, uh, it is. And, and it's it's real flattering. And, you know, I, even to this day, what kind of brought me to the dance is, uh, um, you know, I had my own archery shop there in Hogansville, which is only about 40 minutes from Realtree. And those guys at Realtree started bringing their bows to me and me and Waddell and, and uh, um, David Blanton and Bill Jordan and all the guys that worked at Realtree. Um, we, you know, I would work on their bows, and then they asked me to be, you know, a part of what they were doing, and with Jeff Foxworthy and stuff. And I'm thinking, like, holy crap, man, I'm getting to live my 15 minutes of fr- fame. So, uh, yeah, no, it, 
it, it just goes to show even now what brought me to the dance is working on people's bows like even now i'm still setting up like uh you know red akins's bow and, and and a lot of the country singers blake's bow and and uh you know zach brown's bow this year zach brown's bow a lot of the um and uh a, one that's kind of a little bit of a secret his initials are jt he's going to be a bow hunter so no yes from the mickey mouse club yes no we'll just leave it at that huh i yeah. saw you at that concert so. and i'm like t-bone's really doing it oh yeah he's, he's <laughs> up there with jt <laughs> yeah <laughs> so. one of the greatest well, i guess i can't even say that because that would give away that yeah. too easily I just remember that performance. I, we would talk about that at another time, but I, I just think it's. I did not know John Travolta. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Into, that's exactly right. Yeah, that's great. It's great. But, uh, that yeah. performance in Greece is what I was referring to. Yeah, and and the reason the reason uh, I say that is because, you know, my wife was like, you know, you, you don't even own a shop anymore. You don't work in a shop. Why do you still work on bows? I mean, my whole basement is a shop. It's a indoor archery range. And I'm like, honey, even if I was dipping septic tanks for a living, I'm telling you, I'm going to be fooling with bows. You know, it's just like a laboratory down there. I just, you know, love doing that kind of stuff. And that's what brought me to the dance is I wanted to make sure that if people, you know, I'm not saying I'm the holy grail of setting up bows or what have you, but I want to make sure that people that are interested in archery or getting into archery, they get a a good experience so that they enjoy it. um, Getting set up with a bow is like getting set up with a tailored suit. If it don't fit you, you're not going to be proficient with it. So I want them to have a great experience so that they spread the word. And I still set up 40 or 50 bows for friends and industry friends mm. and celebrities and stuff every year. And, and absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. And it's kind of like tuning a guitar, ain't it? Or is tuning the gu- because tuning the guitar. I don't for know. You- I'll send him in my old York. My first bow was old York Express. <laughs> oh, man. That's taking us back. <laughs> I'll send it to you. I think it's a little bit harder right there than tuning a guitar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's, uh, tuning a gu- guitar is not the same for you as it would be for the guy sitting next to you. It's completely no, different. Yeah. Or is there just one note of G that it has to get in? Uh, I don't, man, I don't know. You got to hit that G. I don't know. I mean, I know this. A wasp, believe it or not, you know how uh, frequencies in the air that, that, you know, that you feel? Like animals can feel it. We, we may not can hear it to see it, but uh, this has happened three different times in my life, talking about G. I have accidentally played underneath the wasp nest, and they put up with it, and me not know about it. And it's fur and and when I hit something in G, when I hit a G chord, man, it drives them up the wall, and they come, and you get stung multiple times just as, just as soon as you hit the just as soon as you hit a G chord, that right there hits them in a bad way. Oh, I'm I'm definitely gonna log that in and remember that. Yeah, I'll, I'll do it. I'm telling you, man. It's uh, if, if you ever wanna play a joke on a friend, walk by him. If there's if he's accidentally around a wasp nest, like a red wasp nest, go hit a G chord and start running. They'll get him. <laughs> they'll get they'll get him. I mean, I have had them go down my shirt and everything when I'm just sitting there doing fast like a like a fast fast bluegrass. And I'll say every cuss word in the world because all of a sudden they're coming down my neck. Really? In my head, yeah. My Something hands about a G-Go. Yep, sure enough. What does is, what is the term buck fever mean? I had this talk with a guy the other day, and he said buck fever is when you lose it when you walk up on a on your on your harvest. I thought buck fever is when that ghost appears out of the woods and you, and you can't control yourself and you almost fall off your tree stand. Which is it? No, it, it's... Can it it's, be both? No, no. I, I, well, I think it's the just before the... As the animal's coming in. I mean, I, I get it with those even still to this yeah. day. I mean, a, 
a big fat nanny can come out and as long as I'm not in my my head going to shoot her, I'm fine. But it's like, click, I'm going to shoot that doe. And then it's like, oh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> and I mean, you just start, the adrenaline starts going and you just got to, you know, calm those nerves, suppress that nervous energy. But yeah, that's what buck fever is. I mean, you just like lose it, just totally lose it. All the things you've practiced all summer long and you just can't hold it together, you know. Is that is that the same for you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Have you ever noticed that we're better shots on shovelers than we are mallards, especially pintail drakes? If, yeah. if, if a group of shovelers come in, we'll kill every one of them. <laughs> you get us about six pintail drakes, we'll all unload and we kill one. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're just getting yeah. giddy as heck. Huh? <laughs> yeah. To me, that's buck fever. So yeah. you got duck fever and buck fever. Yeah, I think it's the same. Yeah. It's about the same thing. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I was, when I watched T-Bone on TV, you got your start with, was it a, the the Billy Bob teeth and a character that you were where you started out at at Real, Real Tree. Yeah, my 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 background is I had a I, I shot professionally, so I, I went around the country shooting professionally, and then I opened my own store in the early '90s and had it. But yeah, being associated with Real Tree and working on their bows, you know, I guess they was asking me to do the behind the scenes like the 3D tournaments and stuff. This is the late '90s and such, so uh, they asked me to play a character with Jeff Foxworthy, and Jeff Foxworthy's character was Willie. And he had the fake teeth and the, the, the overall stuffed into the top of the boots. And they said, can you come up with a hit character or whatever? And I said, I said, yeah. And they wanted to be a part of the archery tournament that they had. So it was going to be me and Willie shooting against David, Michael, and, and Bill Jordan. And, um, you know, it was going to be like I, was gonna, I built a character around having an old bow. I took an old whitetail hunter, something that's, you know, anybody that's here that's 35 years old or older knows what a whitetail hunter is. Everybody had one back in the late 70s and 80s. So I took the old bow and going to shoot against them uh, with their new stuff. And, uh, you know, we was just basically going to be like pool sharks and just wipe up the, you know, was betting with them. So me and Willie, which Jeff Foxworthy, was uh, going to shoot against them, and that's where it all started. But I'd never been called T-Bone a day in my life. So just before we are fixing to film it, we had a whole production crew out there. They said, what can we call you? Travis ain't hick enough. We need a redneck name. And I, I, I just threw out there T-Bone thinking that was easy and started with a T. And they said, yeah, I figured we're going fi- to film this. This is my 15 minutes of fame, and then I'll go back to working in the shop and, and such. You know, I didn't think it was going to go anywhere. I had no aspirations of being on TV. And they said, okay, we'll call you, we'll call you T-Bone. And, man, it just took off like crazy. So... I, 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 I've never I had no story idea about you. I, yeah. had no, I knew they called you T-Bone on the show, but I thought it was your name your I whole life. I just like, learned something new. I thought yeah. that's always been your, your nickname. No, I, I've been called a lot of different names. but <laughs> <laughs> You've been called a worse. Yeah, yeah. Been... <laughs> you, you say that you're a fan of Bone Collector, right, Greg? Mm, yeah, absolutely. I think what I love the show so much, and I'm from the West United States, we don't... Mm-hmm. We don't hunt a lot of, we don't have whitetail where I live. There is whitetail, you know, Montana and some in Colorado and stuff. But I love the show because, and you guys do hunt other species of big game. And oh, you yeah. guys chase turkeys. You do it. But I love the show because of the the chemistry between the three of them, him and Nick and, and Waddy. And how they, the, the way they set up their in-studio stuff is so clever. And it bounces and bounces and bounces. And then you'll say something, then Nick comes in. I, it's just, there's no other show like that does that. It's so original the way they do that. And I don't know whose idea that was and if it was Waddy's or yours or whatever, but it's a really cool element of that show that keeps the viewer going. And it, it, the, the hunt's important, but they fall in love with these guys too because of that in, that in-studio, you know, that bantering that you guys have going on all the time. Yeah, I mean, we, we want the show to be like, you know, what else says it best? He goes, you know what, I mean, there's a lots of people out there that are are better hunters than us and we don't never like to be called a professional hunter by no means we hate that we we just happen to be 
hunters, regular people that have a camera in our face. And there's lots of folks that's going to out-hunt us and kill bigger deer, but there ain't nobody going to out-fun us. And we want people to feel like when they watch the show, it's like, God, dog, boy, I'd love to share camp with those guys. And that's the way most camps are around the country, period. It's a group of buddies that would cut their arm off for the next guy, but yet they're going to give them, you know, fits within themselves. You know, it's a brotherhood, and we, we say it's a brotherhood, and it is. So we make sure that we have tons of... Um, fun doing so and ribbing each other it's like hey i'm allowed to pick on waddell and i'm allowed to pick on nick but if you say anything cross i'm gonna, I'm gonna cut your throat yeah <laughs> yeah so we, we want to make sure that we have fun and uh and, and what you see is what you get i mean you guys know us you know from outside of that and a lot of people that come by and see us they're like gosh you're just like you're on tv i'm like well yeah that's the only way to be and i love that about you and, and griggs has a, a song that is exactly about the brotherhood yeah, them boys. And it's called Them Boys. Yeah. And when he did it last night, I was just like, man, that is awesome. Yeah. And it, it just reminds me of what you guys have built with the brotherhood yeah. and what that means to the. And I tell Waddy this the other night when he was on, I said, what he did was unlike anything that I've ever seen. And I don't think we'll ever see it again in the industry from when he come into the industry at 19, 20, 21, and he's 46 years old now. I remember coming into this building and seeing lines like they still are but six seven hundred people in a line oh yeah to meet this michael he was a rock star yeah yeah he was literally a rock star and the way that he handled that i'm like man he's a he's a freaking he's a deer hunter yeah and i'm like what is going on and i'm like wow man and i told him straight to his face griggs i said the first thing that i ever did was i made a sizzle reel for the foul life to try to sell it i went to orlando to the shot show and i and i had one sponsor at the time and they let me be in their booth and the first person that my goal was to watch that sizzle reel was michael waddell and i never met the man i just loved him on tv and at the same time about the same time he was coming off of road trips and starting bone collector because yeah. we're in season we're getting ready to start filming season 13 of the foul life so it was about the same exact time and i just remember getting the opportunity and i said michael my name's Chad Belding. I'm, a, I'm from Reno, Nevada. I'm a duck hunter. I got this new show that I'm bringing on. I said, would you mind watching a sizzle tape? He says, well, heck yes. And he told me the other night in the podcast, he says, I remember two sizzle tapes from then because I get a lot, of, a lot of requests to watch them. And it was you and Kip Campbell. And he says, those guys are going to make it. He says it was different. And I was like, wow. Because he told me that day, he goes, that's good. He says, stick with this. Do the cooking, do the music, do the the camaraderie, do the li the camp life, and he says that's a, and I still remember that from Orlando, and so does he. And I was like, man, that's what kind of guy he was. So that's when you did Dem Boys last night. I was like, I'm part of Dem Boys. Yeah, you are. Yeah. We, we do it. We please do it. Have you heard this? Oh yeah. Oh is, yeah. Is this unbelievable? With only one thing on my mind I don't care if it's spring, summer, fall Winter, rain or shine I got a woman that thinks I'm crazy Cause every time I close my eyes I see whitetails, blood trails, monster bucks I wanna nail, I can't wait for her to be on Slinging let it red, heads I hear a gobble up ahead End up in a strutting zone 
Duck blinds, hoes, flying dogs, pointing birds, dying, throwing top of water at dawn. I can't stand not being out there. So when I'm home, I get with them boys and it's on. Something like that. <laughs> Is that not it? That's it right That's there, it. right? That encompasses it. That's why we love country music like we do because the one, I mean, it's a great, great sound. It's just a great sound, but the, the words have a true meaning. You know, um, I mean, the only other genre would be like 50 Cent in the club. That speaks to me. <laughs> <laughs> that just speaks to me. In the club. In the club. In it's my birthday. Club. That's what, right. It's yep. my birthday. It's, uh, I, when I hear that and the way that he puts the, the, the different species together, oh, I just yeah. think it's so clever. It rolls. It just pop, 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 rolls What's the, right what's the red headline? A shooting, slinging lead at redheads. I hear a gobble up ahead, end up in a strutting zone. Obviously, yeah. you might have wrote that before. Is the redhead a turkey or a duck? Because I don't want him <laughs> slinging lead at a redhead duck. Yeah, I think a cover ducks a on the duck line. You yeah. might get a ticket. But, yeah, that, that, that whole song encompasses what you guys have built with Bone Clay. And the reason I wanted you to come in here with Griggs is because he is so passionate about his music. And then the hunting part of it, I don't know if he's even more passionate about hunting and and i think that's where dem boys came from and what you guys are building with you and cody and everything is that you you see something like the brotherhood and i think that we all assume that we're part of it and then when you meet them you get welcomed in and you're like man they're just awesome dudes they're just oh, awesome oh yeah I think well, that, isn't that the humility yeah. of what we get well and it's, it's not even it's i mean everybody under this roof everybody that is a part of it it's just we happen to be the one on TV flying the flag. That's, that's right, all. That's I mean, right. it's not like oh, we welcome you and you're in it. You're already in it. I mean, ha- thanks for letting us be in it. And yeah. the other hunting is still such a small family it too. Is. And I hope I know that's not you know the next generation, Timo. It's not probably you know we love seeing hunting getting bigger. So it's not that. It's the but it's turkey hunting especially is still a small 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 oh, yeah. family all of us know each other yeah oh, i mean yeah. from you guys to Pittman and everybody in between oh, we yeah. all know each other all and in, 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 even in, in music all of us are one family country goes hunting was beautiful oh yeah it's a beautiful thing absolutely and that's what i was getting ready to tell a story are you familiar with country goes hunting yeah i never yeah. went but i know what yeah it, is. It, it was big for years you know sam clements rhett you know andy has always been a part of it and and i mean even you know, Blake, Rascal Flat. I mean, there's been so many stars that's done that. And, you know, and it's just, it's good for us. It's kind of a behind closed gates kind of deal. Uh, you know, hunters, uh, people that's in the outdoor industry, and then uh, actually, you know, some some pro ball players, but mainly, uh, you know, country music singers and such. We have a concert for um, to raise money for benefits and stuff like that. But then we get to hunt, you know, without being bartered. You got to let your, let your hair down. We eat good. We fellowship. It was just always a good time. It was, and I mean, we did it for years and years. I mean, over ten years. And uh, I, I wanted to tell one story about Griggs, and he, he ain't gonna remember this. But like when I was working, when I was working with Realtree in those early days, like late '90s, they had uh, you know the um, gosh uh, CMA up here, you know the Fan Fest always in June, and Griggs would have the archery tournament. And, uh, you know, Realtree was always a big part of it. And, oh, you yeah. know, and Michael yeah. would come shoot and stuff like that. And me being an archery guy, and, and I was just like, God, I want to shoot in that thing so bad. I said, man, I wish somebody would invite me. I never got the invite to come up and shoot it. But, of course, now I was just a small pea in the pod. Uh, that's probably the only time I was a small pea in the pod. But 
<laughs> but nonetheless, I was like, man, I want to shoot that one day. I want to shoot that one day. And why and didn't you get? Hell you no! Know? I'll tell you why I didn't invite <laughs> him. It'd win. It'd win. Are you <laughs> kidding me? <laughs> but uh, Waddell would come up and do it, and I'd always see videos of it, and you know them them having a good time, and a lot of the country singers, and you know Waddell. I think Matt Moret shot in it mm-hmm. front one a time or two, but. And uh, I was like, man, I want to be a part of that. It would be so awesome. And uh, and I think it kind of faded away. They do the softball game and they do a bunch of other things. But, Griggs, we need to bring back the archery tournament. Yeah, we do. <laughs> and then there was organizations that went against that. And CMA started um, uh, some anti-stuff going on. And CMA kind of uh, started embracing them. And I lost just every bit of um, – Nashville support. I had I had the hunting industry support. But yeah, I lost the Nashville support. So yeah, that was a lot of fun. I mean, to put a to put a bow in Lee and Womack's hands. Yeah, you know, to put a bow in Lori Morgan's hands, saying shoot, just shoot. You know, it's, yeah, it brought a lot of us together. And I mean, uh, I remember you know from people like Troy and, and Craig and, and and Blake that and all of us that shot a lot down to you know I would invite just to make it fun and for. The, for the obviously for the publicity, you know, you would get girls or guys that have never held a bow before in their life. Yeah, so it was great. Muzzy was a part of it. Yeah, Realtree was my yep. biggest, and, and Matthews. Yeah, I've always had a relationship with Matthews. So yep. you know, but so between my biggest sponsors was was you guys, Matthews, and, and uh, um, back when Muzzy was Muzzy. Yep. Yeah. Well, what do we need to do to bring it back? Well, we may be looking at the three guys to do it. Yeah, you know? I'll help. No, yeah. sure, sure. That's a great event. I mean, like, kind of like the whole thing that T-Bone was talking about being everybody being put together like Country Goes Hunting did. Yep. That is a one-hour event, high publicity. It's worth it if you come. Is this Was this during NWTF that you did this? No, this would be during CMA. Oh, CMA. Yeah, yeah which back at yeah. Fanfare, yeah. yeah. Oh, Fanfare. And, and, you know, and had the big parking lot and, you know, all of that, you know. Do you ever get giddy when uh, you get a text and your phone vibrates and you look at it and you see Griggs or – or chipper and do you because and, and wait for what i'm asking you is that do you get giddy on that and then the way that kid just looked at you and you waved back at him i went good night that kid walked by and he looked back at t-bone and, he gave, really? and t-bone waved and the kid went to his friends and got all giddy yeah like you that's awesome yeah, oh you know yeah, what I'm very saying? flattering. But, but do you get do you get giddy when Griggs and like when I see like Andy or and and then when I when I get to meet a kid here and he's showing me pictures of his ducks, I get all giddy again. And I think that's so cool. The balance of, wow, look what hunting brought me. I get T Bone Turner's texting me, but the yeah. six year old saying I shot my first gadwall yesterday. Yeah, and I'm just like I, I I'm, wow. I'm, I'm I'm hugging this kid yesterday and signing the hat for him. And I'm wow. just like. Man, yeah. could it be any better? I got yeah. Griggs on my podcast, and I got T-Bone to my right, and I got this six-year show me his first gadwall. Yeah. That's what hunting does to me. Yeah. I get so lit up about it, and I, that's what I absolutely love to see. When that kid looked at you, I went, God, I freaking love this life, man. <laughs> yeah, it, I it, love it. I love it. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a common denominator. It's just like you're speaking an unspoken language. But, yeah, like when someone, I'm not necessarily starstruck, but it, it does excite me to know that someone that is a celebrity or someone that's famous, or even a kid or anybody, I get to introduce them. No different than you teaching someone how to call on a, a, a duck call. You know, it, it's just so rewarding. You was telling me the story the other day about your daughter killing her first one, and you was just, I mean, you was tearing up while you was telling me. Yeah, oh, I, I lost mean, it. it. Yeah. I lost it on Saturday yeah. last week. I mean, I, I put a, I, I was fighting this inside. You guys help me with this, please, T-Bone and Griggs, is that, I've nobody in this industry knew I had a daughter unless they were my friend. I've never put her on my social yeah, media. I don't do that it's either. sacred to me. Yeah. Sacred. 
And I want to keep a lot of my life. I don't have any personal Instagram or personal Facebook or anything. It's sacred to me. And I'm not saying that if, as a mom, you shouldn't put a picture of your baby up every time he gains a pound. That's up to you. But to me, my daughter was sacred. I wanted nobody to know that I had a daughter. Not that I'm not, that I'm so proud of her. But when that this came, I started documenting her getting ready for this hunt. And I put it on there. And she's tearing up and she's so happy and it got me so happy. But then the other side of it and where I'm asking you guys is that she's wearing banded waders and shooting a Benelli shotgun filled with federal ammunition and real tree timber pattern and driving in a free boat and a free boat motor off of a trailer that came with a free truck with free tires. And I'm like, am I really? No, no, let me correct you right now. You'll take this. It's not free. You just didn't pay for it. I work hard. Sense? I work for it. Yeah, you, we, we all work for it. Yeah. Everybody says, you get a free bow, you get a free guitar. No, 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 no. You work for it. You work for it. You just didn't stroke a check for it, buddy. So what about yeah, what about my you. daughter, though? Am I, am I promoting my lifestyle and my brands and my sponsors, or am I really being passionate? And I am. I'm just saying. I don't want it to look from the outside like, that's just a ploy to get more sponsors on board or just to promote his stroke as sponsors. I was literally beside myself with what happened with those kids. Not just Alyssa, my daughter, but every kid that day and getting their first ducks. I was on, it brought me back my love for hunting to a tenth, to hundredth yeah. degree. Yeah. And I, and I just wanted to document it because of that to show what this, what this culture and this privilege of hunting, which again, it's not a guarantee. This privilege can be revoked at any time if we're not careful. That's right. And, I was showing, look at what this nine-year-old's getting out of this duck hunt. Yeah. And the way she's hugging that dog, and, on, and I'm going to let you guys talk after this. On that same day, one of my dear friends that has literally taken over is my dad, because my dad passed of a heart attack at 54. 79-year-old Les Nesbitt that has hunted on every continent. He's, he's in the North American Boone and Crockett Hall of Fame for a super slam. He killed a sheep last year at 78 years old at 11,700 feet oh, of de- a desert. Less, you know, less. Yeah. He went down to Vegas and guys, he turned 79 on Saturday, the same day these kids did this. Andy and T Bone, I had never seen a 70, and he, I work out with less, and this guy's in shape. He starts crying. He is jumping into the boat like it was his first duck. He's hugging these kids, and I'm like, I'm showing this. You got to. I'm showing this. Do you know a dad who wouldn't? I had to show it. I don't know a dad who wouldn't. Doesn't care. It don't no. matter that my sponsors are getting a little love out of it, right? No. What, what's not to show? I mean, that's what you're trying to document: the love, the passion of the sport. What's not to show? Why wouldn't you show that? I think you'd be cheating your, you know, the the community and the industry out of something if you didn't show it, because you did. Because there's so many times that happens and it didn't get documented. You know what I mean? And you're like, Good point. gosh, I wish I'd had that's it documented. Right. Kelly Powers was in here, a goose calling champ. He's a dear friend of mine. He's one of the best ever from Tennessee. And he told me, Chad, can we please discipline ourselves to do this more? He says, this last 90 minutes of having a conversation. Yeah. Because in, in today's world, we don't do it enough. Uh, no, no, yeah. No. You go into a you go into a, 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 a restaurant at lunch, You, I, I dare you to find somebody having a conversation. All four guys are, yeah. it's it's sickening. And I'm yeah. just as guilty. Oh, yeah, we all are. Just guilty. True. And, and And so... You got. That's what I was trying to say. Is document it. I didn't want people to come across, and nobody said anything. And I'm just thinking probably too much into it. But I, I held her sacred for so long. But I felt like, man, if this is going to be my daughter, who I have not put any pressure on to do anything in the outdoors or volleyball or swimming, she, she knows what she's going to do. And she literally told me, when are we going duck hunting again? 
And I was like, yes. Not that's that awesome. I not that I needed it. Yeah. She never went, but I would she like, kill? A Drake Bull canvas bag that's going to the taxidermist the Monday I get Ooh. back to the office. Really? Was he doing Mach 10? <laughs> it, he, he, he It was her four shot, 410, 410, math. Uh, How old is she? Nine. Remy Warren's with me, who I dearly, he's a dear friend of mine from Reno, and he is a just an awesome person oh, in yeah. this industry. I'm, I'm a lefty. I'm a southpaw, so I'm messing my daughter up. By, I keep looking down the left side of her barrel and making sure she's lined up, but I'm only getting lined up. I'm not really telling her what she needs here. So I said, Remy, get in the boat, because he's in the boat behind me, helped me document all you know footage and all the stuff. He jumps in there. I said, hey, will you just make sure that I got her lined up right? Because I'm not doing it with my lefty. So all he had to do was click the hammer. That's all I want to do is click the hammer and just push her gun to where the lead would be. And he clicked that hammer, and she gets out. So these five come in, four bulls in a hand, and I let them kind of just slide by because I look to my right, and this this bull's just doing it. And I'm like, if this is going to happen, I'm like, we had 23 minutes left until legal light. And I'm like, here it is. I told you this. Yesterday. He's cupped up, cupped up. I said, get her. I go, baby, get her. 31 yards is what me and Remy, Remy and I estimated out. With a 410. 410 led it. And when I say a 410. Shooting six shot lead? <laughs> she, she was shooting fed. She was shooting. Uh, we don't need to promote federal, but she was shooting federal blue box and T-Bone and Griggs. When I say this duck didn't suffer with a 410, this duck died like it got she hit with a 10 him. gauge. His head went straight back and hit his back, straight forward and hit his breast and fell dead, feet up and the feet wiggled twice. And she and the dog brought back and the feet are still wiggling. But she's like, Dad, he's still alive. I said, No, he's not. Honey. And I'm like, Did that really just happen, Remy? And I, on film, I'm like, Did that really just happen? Holy Did you see smoke. that? That was a 410. And everybody and Remy's like. And a canvas me? back on top of that. A bull canvas back that she, it, she's like, Daddy, can I hang him in my room? <laughs> Certainly. I said, are you kidding me? Absolutely. Heck yes. A part of me wanted to be selfish and go, no, it's got to go in the living room. Baby. I got <laughs> I got to put a plaque under this and I got to I gotta get, but look at this just real quick. Get a replica made. Get a, <laughs> I wonder. <laughs> a replica. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, yeah. And here's the one that got everybody, Griggs. She's just bawling. Is man. she really? Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, God bless her. That's hunting right there. And I was like, and, I, and, and her, her mom doesn't come from a hunting background. And when I told Melanie that what had happened, she couldn't have been more proud. And I was That's like, great. I was like, man, this is awesome. That's because great. I was, I, I, and I don't know if you ever get this, but I kind of, the road is lonely, and you know the road is lonely. You've all been on It's lonely, and Jim Shockey taught me that. And I sat down with Jim and talked to him about a quote I had heard him in a speaking engagement, and I said, it's lonely, and he says, it can be. And he, and he talked to me last week about what the road did and, and, and his marriage and love and what it means and all this, but I, I had some guilt sometimes in my life, and I don't know if you did, be, about being away so much, making because I, I couldn't do what I do from, from my office in, in Nevada, yeah. and I had to leave her. Right. And I love the anticipation of getting back, but you guys, does that touch a nerve at all? What I'm oh, saying? Yeah, sure, sure. It's the number one thing I struggle with, actually. I mean, my life is so great. I'm so blessed. I'm so thankful. You, you, you can't really complain, or you don't want to. You, you feel bad about complaining because there's three or four million rednecks out there that would absolutely trade everything to do what we're doing. So you feel so guilty. You know, you know, no different than if you're an artist. You know, you feel guilty about. Uh, saying anything about that but but facts are a fact yeah you're right it's lonely like when you're going to do an event and you're out of town for two days and 
and you're you know staying in a hotel all by yourself it's not i mean you we don't want to be back at your home yeah you're outside working but it's not like five o'clock you're off and you go back home and you eat supper with your family and you, you hang out, you get an hour. If I could just be with my family for an hour every evening, that would mean so much more. Heck yeah. But yeah, especially like the November grind for us, October, November, December, where we're gone for weeks at a time. Oh, man, I get homesick thank, really bad. Thank God. For, we were just cussing social media a little bit, uh, Kelly and I, before. But thank God for technology and FaceTime and, yeah. and, and, and Skype and, and being able to do that from yeah. the road. And, and I don't know, it's like, you hear about that, it's a country song about the loneliness of the road yeah. and, and what it does to a man's mind or a woman's mind. When you're away, your mind will, no matter how successful you are, no matter how much revenue you drive, no matter how many likes you get on a picture, no matter what is going on success-wise in your life and, and the, and the well-deserved life, because I'm the same way, I'm like, I'm a, I'm a duck hunter from, I'm not from Stuttgart. I'm not from Mississippi, I'm from Nevada. What, I, well, how did this happen? And I keep reminding myself, like, stay humble, and, 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 and it, it, I love it. But then I'm like, I fight that all the time. So now I was, like, so happy that my daughter's going to want to go do what I do, and I get to spend all that added time. Not that I wouldn't sacrifice and go do what she wanted to do, but it just made me feel like that's validation for me. Does that make sense to you? Absolutely, it makes sense. I, I mean, uh, you know, um, my son doesn't like to hunt, but, but uh, my son is autistic, so he doesn't like to hunt, but nonetheless just any time I get to spend with him. My son goes to a, um, and, and I'm not saying this for sympathy by no means, but he goes to a special needs school. It's 46 miles from our house. So I'm having to drive 46 miles one way and we have a no electronics rule in the truck, you know, so he can't play on games and stuff. I treasure the times when I am at home of going to, I take him every morning, I bring him home in, the, you know, I, and then I gotta come home and then I go pick him up in the afternoon. So, you know, and I don't I don't show that on social media or anything, but I'm doing that. I treasure that time oh, in man. the truck with him. Cause, man, we have some, he's 14, so we have some of the best conversations. You know, like me and my dad growing down a dirt road and, and, and uh, you know, having some of the best conversations. So, nonetheless, um, I know exactly what you're talking about. And, and even though you're selling out concerts and tours and – and ha hits on the radio. It don't. It doesn't matter, right? You're, that loneliness sets in, right, Greg? Yeah. When the hotel becomes your 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 way of life, yeah. Lonely is a understatement. Yeah. yeah. But it will, like, in your tone of your voice, it will mess with your mind in a lot of different ways. And and I don't want. It's not a pity party because, like T Bone said, yeah. it's like people look at the life and they're like, I want to do that. And I just I love every bit of it i don't want it to be like oh i would trade it no but that part of it is always messed with my mind because it's like a balance and where do you find it like you know that disease that people talk about of like fema or fomo or feeling left or feeling like you're going to miss something you know that deal like if i don't go to nwtf yeah what am i going to miss what doors aren't going to open yeah. what event you know what 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 network can i build right but my daughter's back there when I could be going and doing the 46 mile drive with her and talking with her, it's yeah. a give and take. It's that's like, right. I can't do this lifestyle without being here and driving these brands and neither can you right. guys. And right. that, and that's just what, it's just a, a constant struggle for me. Chasing the wheel. Ch exactly what you started this podcast with. Chasing the wheel. Yeah. My, my biggest thing is, is, you know, you go from within minutes, you go from a big crowd of people start, you know, the, the stardom, the, the limelight, having however many people, thousands, in the palm of your hand, and 20 minutes later you're by yourself watching ESPN in your boxers. 
Man, that is that is nerve-wracking. That's that is not. Yeah. I mean, that that does get to you after a while. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you know what I'm talking about, Timo? I mean, no, I do. You, you I go, do a lot I mean, of. Uh, you go from people, lots and lots and lots of people, to ESPN within 20 minutes. Yeah. You welcome it in some ways, but then it, it, it is a it's a huge transition. You know, I do a lot of uh, conservation banquets and and public experiences and stuff like that. And so, you know, sitting there with the crowd, you know, emceeing the whole event, you're there for you know six hours, just like a concert or somewhat, and you're talking to all these people, and then all of a sudden. Like he said, you're back in the hotel room, uh, and then you're getting up at breaker, 5. Breaker, breaker, one nine. Uh, Cody says uh, he needs a little cheeseburger. Come on back. <laughs> uh, come on there. We'll uh, uh, Andy, your time is up. <laughs> Hold on one sec. We'll get it because, Tebow, you got price something at 3, too, right? No, I'm good. I'm you're, good. Okay, okay you yeah. can say here. Andy, before you leave, um, go, finish that what you are saying, Tebow. Yeah, I'm just saying, you you know, and then you're getting up in the next morning at 5 o'clock. You're catching a plane, and then you're, you're basically spent the whole Sunday, you know, so it's – I, I mean, it sounds like I'm complaining. I'm just stating the facts. It's if you're being totally is. transparent, and I'm going to say this, and then Andy's got to go. I the adrenaline of what you're talking about. You go to a public appearance, or you have a, or you come here, and kids are coming up to you, and parents are like, "Thank you for what you do," and picture here, and picture there. And then I would go home, and I was just Chad, and I was, I didn't have it. I was like, "Where's the energy? Right. Yeah. Where it is? Did you?" ever have that or were you so i know you're very family orientated and so all of us are but did you ever experience that or fight that too to where when you get home you're like whoa what happened to all the people what how you know like the boxers and espn but you're like whoa man i need that energy i need that adrenaline or did you yeah. right away learn to deal with it really easily? no i uh, i and and i was lucky enough because uh waddell went through it four five six years because we do a lot of things together he went through it for four five six years before nick and i came on board so you know, he was there kind of mentoring us. He goes, hey, boys, you know, it seems pretty great right now. He goes, but I'm, I'm trying to give you a reality of how it's going to be and this, that, and the other. And and uh, so that was a big help. You know I mean? He was helping us along, like, how the crowds was and how to deal with that kind of stuff. And it's easy to get your foot stuck in the fun wheel real quick. I mean, real quick. So the first four or five years, yeah, I, I, I had a trouble with it. But now, I mean, I can I can switch it on and off, no problem, and and I welcome being at home. Me and, too, now. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. We all post stuff on social media, and you know, and that's a part of it. I try to do a mix of a little bit of home, a little bit of on the road, technical tips, hunting, this, that, and the other. But but at the end of the day, man, I, I just love being at home. I mean, sometimes my truck won't leave the driveway for four or five days. I mean, I work, I'm working. It's not like I'm not doing something, but man, I'm at home just cooking stuff at home and doing projects around the house i just love anything to do with you know uh tractors and i bought me a skid steer that's probably been my best toy that i've ever bought man i love that thing can you imagine being elvis oh the transition your transition killed him yeah that 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 led to his death the transition we're talking about and a lot i mean a lot i mean a lot of i mean and i'm saying this like i'm some kind of a rock star i'm nothing like a you know, a country singer or like an Elvis or, you know, someone that's playing to huge crowds. I mean, we're just a small part of it. But, yeah, you get a taste of it doing what we do. But, yeah, you're right. Like, I mean, you see it like Whitney Houston, you know, Michael. Right. J- I mean, man, they're introverts. Like, look at Michael Jack. I mean, wasn't really like human. You right. know, and I'm like, man, somehow, some way, no matter how much revenue you chase, you know, you always think like, because come, I come from humble beginnings. I can remember sitting behind the. Uh, counter at my store making you know twenty one thousand dollars a year and I'd, I'd go three and four days and not make a hundred dollars I was doing something I loved and now that you see a revenue stream or you know like you said like if I don't go to NWTF I'm not going to be able to you know uh, 
uh, grind it out or, or, you know, get out there and chase that, you know, because next year it may not be here. That's what I have the biggest problem with. It's like I have a problem saying no because it may not be here next year, you know, and I'm, I'm going to be fletching arrows. So at some point you got to draw a line in the sand and say, nope, I'm staying at home, you know, but it's hard to. And and that's that's kind of where that whole deal of not taking anything for granted because it can be gone. But, yeah. you know, the, the transitions of, of, of what I battle and struggle with is exactly that, man. And that's I just think there's so much correlation of what I've heard in country music and how it attains to my life. And, I, man, guys, I was a toilet pumper. I mean, my first business, I owned a, a, started a portable toilet company and built and built it from the ground up and started pumping and would add i'd come here every year to the pumper show and buy more toilets here and and i was a i was a turd pumper man i was a uh, we had sierra restroom solutions and we did erosion control and stormwater pollution prevention and 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 street sweeping and all this stuff and then the next thing i know i'm on a i'm on a boat with bobby ritchie kid rock going what the frick just happened <laughs> what 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 yeah. what just happened and you were you come up from the gulf shores on a honeymoon and you're like I got, I got a number one and another number one, and, and, and right. selling out. And I think it's just like, what the heck is going on in those transitions and accepting it? And like, and then there's the whole other conversation. But and I know you got to go. Is, is this deserving? Do I deserve this? Or should I feel guilty that I'm getting to do this? Did you? My my garage looks like a bomb went off in Cabela's. And, same same way. And I'm just like, now I developed this, this attitude like. I hope I don't ever have to step foot into a sporting goods store again. And I'm like, wait a minute, check your attitude at the door. This is what got you to where you're at. Get your ass in there and go to work and, and enjoy it and merchandise and make sure all the brands are looking good and take pride in that and quit thinking that it's going to always be here. I don't care if I ever see another box of ammo again. Heck, yes, I do. Because if it was gone, I would freaking not want to yeah. wake up in the morning. Yeah. I struggle with that stuff, man. It's this, the life we chose, man. We embrace it. Yeah. It's the life we chose. I love, yeah. And I appreciate you guys being here. And, and it's, Thanks for having me, Chad. I just, I love it. I it's love always it. good seeing you. Always good seeing you, T-Bone. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And T-Bone, I don't know. Do you want to stick around for yeah, a little I'm bit? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. Andy, you're going to go get a, you're going to leave us with one? Or you got, you got to. Uh, what you want to hear? I want you to pick. Cheeseburger in paradise. <laughs> well, I've got a cheeseburger in paradise. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I'm trying to think anything I want to play. Uh, well, are you doing a cover or are you doing yours? If you do a cover, I would like to hear Outlaw Women. And if you're gonna, if you're doing one of yours, then you choose. Hey, Andy, I got a, uh, a we got a mutual friend, man. He's probably your biggest fan. Is Dallas Rogers? From oh, South Dallas! Georgia. Oh, yeah. Man, you can't beat Dallas. Boy, he loves he loves Andy Green. He loves some T Bone too. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep, I love old Dallas. Uh, uh, all right, so you want to hear a Hank, little Hank Jr., huh? Please. She works in the bank. Let's see. Let me go to E. Hang on. Works in the bank and she works in the store. She don't go that old stuff anymore. She likes to get high and listen to the band. She likes to make love to her kind of man. Either way, she's a Outlaw woman 
first of a kind Outlawing in a rotten high in 79 Outlawing don't need any guns Outlawing they're just out for fun we were playing that last night too. God, weren't we? you sound so good, Andy Gray. <laughs> Thanks, Chad. I, I appreciate mean, I, it. Man. I really, I'm, I'm speaking to whoever controls country music radio. We need Andy Griggs on the radio by next week. By next week. By next week. I need to hire you as a manager then, Chad. Let's get on that. <laughs> we need that, and we need the archery tournament back for the CMA fans. Yeah, yes. we really do. We really do. I do miss that. I yeah, do miss that. Oh, I know. I mean, hey, there's so much archery in Hollywood. Why? Let's embrace it, <laughs> yes, man. Embrace it. CMA, I mean, we're country's cornbread. Let's get it out there. Yeah, I want to. 